Hello everyone, uh, this is Rob in the Highlands Bunker studio. Uh, before we get started today, I uh, wanted to just uh, make a quick note because I think it's important. Um, sometime in early 2017, uh, early in Trump's term, there was a Network Delaware meeting in Wilmington, a big meeting, and I just happened to run into Kerry Harris and uh, you know we hugged and we're, we're chatting and I said, what have you been doing? And she just started getting um, getting involved with the Center for Popular Democracy and the actions that they were doing uh, in in Washington. And she's telling me about it, and I said that sounds uh, actually really great. And she said, you know, we we'd love a you know we'd love a white guy to go down there and get arrested. And I'm like, you know, you only had to ask me once. Uh, and so a couple weeks later, she sent me an email, and she said they're doing this big action against the, the, the tax cuts. Uh, do you want to go down and get arrested? And I said that I did. So we made the plans to go down and meet where we were going to meet. Uh, but the night before, Carrie called me and said, uh, I can't make it. I always want to make it when I know somebody that I know is going to uh, get arrested at the action. But because I can't make it, I'm sending my mom. And I'm like, I know I'll be in good hands. Um, so... Uh, Jenny Harris, who, if anybody knows, um, is a little firecracker. She came in the, the room to meet, and she's like, are you ready to do this? And I'm like, yeah, you know, let's do it. And we stood outside that, uh, <clears throat> that committee room uh, in the Hart office building. And uh, I met Bernie. That was the first time I met Bernie that day. We waited and waited, and finally the, the hearing started, and we just fucking went crazy. A uh, bunch of people got pulled out of the room. I laid down with another woman in front of the door to block the cops. It was just a kind of bedlam. <clears throat> we all get pulled out of there. Um, I get pulled out, and we all get arrested. Now, Jenny and her group just make sure that they know where you go. They know what your status is. You know, no person left behind kind of kind of deal. And, um, you know, we all get processed out, and... I meet I meet Jenny and she's like I want to get I'm going to get a ride with these people and I was going to get a ride with me and she gave me back my my bag with all my stuff in it and uh, she goes I did get a great picture of you when you were when you were getting your handcuffs because you wanted like a really dramatic picture <laughs> so I still have a, a picture of me getting handcuffed uh, from from Jenny uh, but I've subsequently um, gone to a bunch of um, actions in D.C. and other places with Carrie and Jenny Harris and uh, and I and I just want to let everybody know that she was an incredible um, activist and, and, and somebody who was always looking out for working people and oppressed people her whole life. Um, last week, uh, Jenny Harris passed away um, after a, sort of a, a battle with, with cancer. And uh, I just wanted to um, you know, say a few words uh, about that because uh, she was great. And if you guys, if any of you hearing this um, know Carrie, maybe just reach out. And let her know you're thinking about it too. So, uh, without any further ado, let's uh, let's get to the show. Comrades and friends, hello. Uh, this is Rob in the shadow of Rockford Tower, behind enemy lines. Uh, we have a special one today because we're going to talk about some real, some real neighborhood shit, some real inside shit. Um, joining me in the studio, 
uh, is Ye Jun Ko, uh, activist and organizer uh, in Newcastle County uh, and an issue activist as well. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. Our, our acclaimed super producer, uh, Carl Stomberg, is also here. Hello. And uh, over the airwaves, uh, beaming in from parts unknown, um, probably one of the greatest activists and inspirations in the state, uh, my friend and comrade, Erica Gutierrez. Hi, everyone. So to get this started, I'm going to read a, a little statement because I, I just want to make my position clear and then we can kind of argue about it because I think that there's a lot of um, that there's a lot of uh, people that haven't had a clear position. And since uh, uh, some senators, uh, uh, you know, one of the state senators and somebody in the House has made a statement, I would also like to make an official statement if that's OK. So uh, here's what I'm going to say. Delaware State Senator Darius Brown and Delaware State Representative Gerald Brady both need to resign their respective offices effective immediately. Per statute, the respective Democratic Party apparatus in those districts should select replacements until the next election is held. Neither elected officials should be seated in the legislature again. They should not hold their seats for the special session to address redistricting later this year, and they should not participate in the second half of the 151st General Assembly beginning in January 2022. While this is my personal opinion, I believe in the best interest of the state, I have no particular personal animus towards Senator Brown or Representative Brady. People make mistakes, even particularly disgusting and destructive ones, creating not just unprofessional situations, but dangerous ones for themselves and others. I have even made my share, my share of terrible decisions, uh, even actions that involve physical violence. Uh, I'm not proud of them, but I'm not without sin. Moreover, I have no issue considering and accepting apologies. That acceptance does not extend to the privilege of holding representative office, however. If one can't control his drinking and becomes antisocial and violent in public, as Senator Brown did, he is not fit to be one of the few Democratic operators controlling the levels of political power. The Senate leadership understands this and have already made decisions indicating they understand by stripping Senator Brown of a fairly prestigious committee chair. If one blatantly uses casual racial slurs and tropes about sex workers and disparaging language about women all in one sentence, as Representative Brady did, he is not suited to represent my neighborhood another day. The fact that this was meant to be private correspondence is an aggravating circumstance. Some representatives and senators understand this and have made similar statements. So that's my position. Um, Erica, I want to first sort of reach out to you because you reached out to me. Um, you uh, had organized a group of advocates, of, of Asian American advocates of, of acro across all sort of stripes. And we sat down and we talked about uh, this controversy. Uh, Representative Brady made, you know, a, a fairly, I mean, one of the most vile slurs you can make. And he did it very casually, which, you know, again, I think is an aggravating circumstance. And there were people that were legitimately upset. And we talked about it. And after talking about it, I encouraged them to continue to advocate and do activism and pressure people to have Brady resign. And I told them that I agreed with them. And um, yeah, so I, I want to actually have that conversation out and hear pros and cons about it. But before we do that, maybe you can 
sort of talk about um, how you met these folks, what kind of stories they were telling, and why you thought this was an important sort of um, an important action and an, an important campaign to undertake. Um, of course, thank you, Rob. I really appreciate you doing this this recording and this call because we have to be accountable for the um, roles that we take in in every single step that we are either contributing or blocking um, a better community, a better governance, and a, and a better future for ourselves and, and our kids. Um, I am proud of, of, of this um, opportunity and, and, and your platform, because the truth has to always come up. And honesty, accountability, and positive steps to, to move forward are key to, to support our democracy and, and, and support each other that believes that we still can be a better society that is not funded in um, corruption and forgiveness to acts that are not deserving of um, public office. Um, and I'm gonna start with saying that because of the work that I have been doing with the community, the relationships that I have developed, um, I am appreciated and I am um, trustworthy of, of many community members. So when they have issues or they feel that they don't know how to use their voice or they don't know what to do, but they feel uncomfortable about something going on that is affecting them, they reach out and they ask for advice. And this, this was the case. Um, I have collaborated with Wadline from the Unitarian Universalist uh, Fellowship of Newark. Um, Several times um, I attend that church some times in the past and my kids, the programs as well. And we did an immigration forum. We, um, we did a peace week based also on uh, diversity and understanding each other. And she um, invited me to, to talk with this group of um, Haitian people concerned about what is going on right now um confused because they had an invitation to to be part of a conversation with um representative brady and and they didn't know how to go with it's it, it was shocking to really feel that they were like really um concerned and consternated because they didn't want to feel disrespectful or be disrespectful but at the same time they were hurt and wounded and how do you interpret that to say, okay, um, we are getting an invitation to, to speak with this person um, so he can redeem and, and be a better person, I guess. But then we feel like really hurt. Uh, how do you do that? And also, like, what are the steps forward? So we don't understand um, how to do all of this. And, you know, starting reflecting from there in their own background and how they feel as Asian in our community, Asian in our community being uh, put aside, put down, and considered just like mostly effective workers rather than members, active members, and uh, individuals as part of the society and our community. And of course, like you know, my heart, I always feel, I always empathize, and of course, I don't see any difference among any of us, regardless of color, race, or language. Um, we should love each other. We should all feel part of, of, of our community. And, and we deserve digni a dignified life, respect, and, and opportunities, regardless of circumstances, uh, especially when, when you're good people. So, um, 
of course that I supported them, I advised them, and, and I make sure that they understood that they had the right to say no. They had the right to, to listen to their heart and their dignity and respect uh, for their community, because if they are being asked to represent their community, they have the responsibility to, to do and say what they are feeling in their heart and respond for everybody, not for a conscious that is guilty of what the system has done to them, making them believe that they have to comply, that they have to be available, that they have to say yes, because they have to fit with the society as, as good um, Asian follow, uh, following the, the, the white supremacy model that everybody has to fit. Um, I think that, you know, that broke my heart. And obviously I felt compelled to be part of them um, and of this movement. And that's why I started reaching out to everybody and starting by you and say, we need to get this out. We need to support um, these people, which is our people. And, and we have to do whatever is on need for us to uh, represent together and make of their voices and a statement. And that has to change. I mean, <laughs> politics, the way that had been gone for so long, it's not all right. We need to make sure that we understand that communities have voice and that voice cannot be framed. It has to be heard and it has to be let to reflect alone and come up with their own insights, not prefabricated or not demanded. They have to decide to come up to talk if they want to talk. Um, they have to the right to say, we don't like this. We want different and be heard and also uh, be conceived what they need uh, for, for their community to flourish. And many issues came out of it, cultural needs, I worry about how um, the job is being left behind, uh, about how they feel about their culture and, and feeling proud about being um, Asian. It's, it's really heartbreaking to, to hear their statements and, and the cry for help. So here we are. That's how it happened, that's how it started, and I'm with them and I am supporting them. Um, not just to, to, to get them the help and the information they need, but the most important part of it is, is to heal uh, and support their spirits because they are wounded. They are wounded to death and, and we don't realize that. It's been so long, so many years, decades of um, disengagement and, and putting them aside and that needs to stop. So our representatives, especially um, <laughs> uh, all of them that think and feel like uh, Mr. Brady, um, they need to understand that they can't, they can't keep feeling and acting the same, even if it is behind doors. They need to change their consciousness in order to serve. Yeah, and I think, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I just wanted to, since you mentioned that, um, really make that point because I think it's important. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty open. You know, I do a podcast here where I say some wild stuff. Carl cuts a lot of it out so I don't get too much trouble. But like, I'm I'm sympathetic to somebody making, a, you know, uh, you know, making a statement that, it you know, almost like publicly that they think is okay, and then they have to be told that it wasn't, and then they apologize because they made like a mistake. Like, that's a mistake, because when you say it like that, you kind of think it's okay, and you have to be sort of told, like, maybe it's not. This was not that. This is indicative of, like, a, a, a deep-rooted, disgusting sort of sentiment about, and again, it's Asian, but it's also misogynistic, and it's, it's also just, I mean, it just misinterprets 
everything that we want to be about. So like I don't I really do think it's a lot more significant than just like, oh, this person told a bad joke or said something fleeting. I, I want to make that pretty clear that 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 goes into my thinking, um, number one. And the second thing that goes into my thinking is is the fact that I'm I'm very loath. I'm hesitant to stop any kind of organizing pressure. Someone who's who's motivated to sort of understand that we have to do politics differently. Like we're not like I understand what you know politicians have to do. I don't have to do that. You know, so I, I can I can apply pressure or, or or try to change things sort of outside of that push and pull. And that's kind of where I'm I'm coming from. But I did get uh, a lot of uh, of pushback uh, in in even in you know in, in, in our organizing circles and leftist circles for for legitimate reasons I have to say and and so, so uh, that's one of the reasons Jun is here to kind of like talk about um, to to be the person who's going to uh, to, to voice uh, those and it's and I can tell you that um, it's not just him there are a lot of people making legitimate sort of noise about you know expending you know activist energy this way um especially after um representative brady said he would not run in 2022 so i want to give those a fair hearing um do you want to start and kind of tell me what your what your initial reaction was when we kind of started um turning up the pressure yeah um so other people do share my concerns i do want to preface this with i am asian i'm I was wondering whether I wasn't <laughs> going to say Asian like Asian person. Like Ko is an Asian explicit. person. Yes, okay. Um, and I've lived an entire lifetime of uh, Asian racism being accepted uh, in ways that other racism against other communities is not tolerated. So I also have a very cynical view. So it might not be. Um, it might not be representative of all Asians who are out there, but I, I also am an outlier in that I'm very staunchly leftist. I feel fall very far on the left scale, uh, whereas I think most Asian Americans tend to be more in the liberal uh, to centrist side of politics. So that's another thing uh, to keep in mind for context. So when Representative Brady uh, said these comments and it was reported on, like, my gut reaction was not only, of course, the disgust, like, um, if he said that while I was in the room, <laughs> I'm not sure he would have teeth. Like, that's how furious I was. But also... Um, Beyond that, uh, I was angry at the news journal for printing the slur. I don't think that if certain other communities, or if it was racism towards other, um, uh, you know, other races, I don't think that they would have printed it. I think they would have actually, you know, put some star or asterisk type thing in its place. Uh, other publications did that. They actually kind of, you know, expletive deleted it. I don't necessarily think that's like a, you know, the the way to go about this either. But I do think that is 
an example of where like a lot of the racism against Asians is invisible. Like we don't, a lot of people don't see how Asian racism, Asians are treated differently from other minorities. Um, so that was uh, what I saw initially. I saw after that, not too long after, a group advocating for his resignation. Um, and I thought that was cool. Like, my knee-jerk reaction, I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, they wanted to put up a billboard. They had to go fund me, and they wanted to put up a billboard to let everyone know. Um, I pitched in some money, and then I also, uh, you know, did what I can to try and pitch into to this kind of like, I, I guess to help out where I can. But it dawned on me, like after, after he announced that he would not be seeking re-election, um, I'm like, okay, well, you know, th th there it is. Uh, he has been publicly shamed and reprimanded. He has to attend, I think, these racial sensitivity courses. That's good. Um, and then he also, uh, he, he's not going to seek uh, re-election. So that's great. Um, and then the group wanted to continue pushing for uh, resignation. And I have reservation, serious reservations about that. Uh, my support for that kind of thing would be contingent on having a suitable replacement. Not only because, well, uh, I assume, I tend to assume, just given past experience, that every old white man past a certain age is like this. They uh, say things behind closed doors when they think it's safe. Um, in fact, even people who you, uh, I, I've found through experience, like people who are touted as like progressive or, you know, liberal or inclusive minded, they also say things behind closed doors um, when it's, you know, they think it's safe. Uh, so I've noticed, I noticed that Brady, so I'm, okay, this is, Kind of a tangent, but it's going to wrap back around. Um, I'm working on this uh, issue campaign for uh, amending the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights. We're very, very familiar with this. <laughs> We're big, uh, big uh, proponents of the uh, all of the reforms. Yeah, I'm a proponent of uh, repealing the whole thing. Yeah, same here. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. SB 149 is the bill. Um, anyone listening, uh, please write your representatives, legislators, senators to uh, pass this bill without amendments. Um, we need both the community review boards and the uh, public access to police misconduct records that it advocates for. So I'm working on this issue campaign trying to get this bill passed and it's a very heavy lift because there are so many cops in the General Assembly. Um, well, I think like the major, major difficulty for this bill is going to find it in the House. Um, there's it, the, the House is particularly cop heavy. 
So when this this bill moves from the Senate to the House, it will probably be uh, funneled into one of two committees. I think one is the Judiciary Committee and the other is the Public Safety Committee. Um, and there we need like, I think six, six supports uh, for this bill not to die within those committees. Um, and Gerald Brady happens to be uh, not only on the Judiciary Committee, but also the Public Safety Committee, but also he is a sponsor of this bill. So I, I don't know what the numbers are uh, specifically, like as tr in terms of a whip count for the Senate and the House, but I know that we can uh, most likely count him as he'll support it without amendments. Um, and at the end of the day, for me, the way I view politicians, I don't view them as, you know, uh, beacons. They're not uh, these, these uh, I don't know what you'd call them, celebrity no, figures. I got you. They're they're a, they're a, they're a vehicle for which we can get we can try to pressure them and get whatever legislative change that we're advocating for. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah, no, I I I understand that bit, and 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 on that line, you're you're right. If 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 there's a if there's a mechanism we can use, we ought to use it. Um, I guess my my issue with that is that number one, I don't want to like. I don't want to get in the, the the technocratic details of of a of a of a bill that's in the Delaware General Assembly simply because I know and and you guys know too that it's never like ah oh, if this guy if only this person does this this guy's the key to this this guy's the crucial like the cog that's like running all of these gears and without this person the whole thing's gonna you know gonna fall apart. I, my as a cynic like you are my guess is it's going to fall apart anyway i mean these are I, i'm not i don't want to cede i don't want to cede activist pressure and pressure on establishment people because i think next term uh it's you know there's a, there's a there's a 50-50 chance it gets out of one of those committees because of Gerald Brady i think that that's a very like esoteric technocratic thing to ask people to stand down for you know what i mean because i because i'm i'm not necessarily i don't necessarily think that that's incorrect strategy like that you i mean definitely he's 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 made you know he's a he's a sponsor of the bill so you know that's that's just that's a fact but the idea that not turning up the pressure on him because they could replace him with somebody who wouldn't do what he did or is more more influenced by i guess the party because he's you know they're not a lame duck i mean yeah i, I could see I, I could see where that's true but i i cannot prioritize that in this situation can i, I can i give a bit of background as to yeah sort of this what is the, perfect this is our our, is our, our our the man with the with the with the info cuz i think probably people don't understand how the system works if he resigns. Oh, yeah, that's I a good idea. I didn't until very recently. Yeah, I didn't either, so you should uh, explain it. So right now, um, 
if you are not in an election period, if somebody resigns, then there's a special election. Uh, if it's during the legislative, I was actually just looking this up to confirm it. If it's during the legislative session, then uh, the speaker, who has someone in House leadership, calls a special election. If it's out of the legislative session, the governor does. And then instead of in some states, what happens then is you have a primary of the parties, then you have the general election. In Delaware, what happens is that the party, um, the county party, in this case, it's usually delegated to the RD itself. So the the state, in each election district, you have people elected to the local Democratic Party, and they are the ones who then get to choose. If you live in the fourth RD and you're an elected member of the Democratic Party, they're the ones who choose who is the Democratic candidate for that office. And usually in a district which, which is usually blue, that's just going to be the candidate. So the worry here, um, especially given the 4th RD, because we are in the shadow of Rockford Tower. I uh, mean, there's a lot of... There's a lot of boomer, real shitty neo-lib neocons in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We know this. Yes. And so um, the worry is that... You know, the base level of voter is already not necessarily what we're looking for, but the elected members of the party are often even more directly connected with the establishment than the average voter is going to be here. Um, and so the worry is that if you kick Brady out, then um, not just on a like progressive movement, like, oh, we want someone more progressive. Obviously, we do. But the accountability there is maybe that one specific person is gone, but you're going to replace him with somebody who almost certainly has the exact same beliefs and views, but it's just going to be a little bit better about hiding them. And I have a few names in mind of like who those could be. I can't say them necessarily because that's... Yeah, and I and, and maybe you don't want to get into it, but I'm, I mean, I, I can tell you that uh, I'll, I'll be sort of general about it. <clears throat> I don't think it was that big of a secret that even before all of this, Gerald Brady was on the on the hit list. Like, you know, and maybe... That was one of the reasons he co-sponsored this bill because he knew he was on the he, he was on the leftist hit list and the leftist uh, the, the leftist assassination team has got a pretty good record the last two years the last two cycles so it's like when you're on that list you, you're you know this is what it is now the pressure comes and he's got to resign now they're like hey okay well we we're gonna that was we're we we're looking for a candidate to, to run in 22 anyway. I, 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 I absolutely understand that there are people in, you know, the party that will probably pick somebody bad. I can I actually have a couple names in my mind, too. But I, I, I simply don't believe that that makes that person a, an incumbent like Brady would have been. Now, again, he, he said he wouldn't run, but I'm talking about before we knew that. That person's markedly weaker than Brady would have been and we were going to primary Brady and so I, I can I, I just can't I can't cede sort of this pressure for that sort of you know for that if then but you know then do loops well and so I don't think the argument then would be that you know disarm people shouldn't be able to fight for themselves because I think that's wrong Obviously. Well, I also think. But I also think. Just to let me finish my point, because my uh, the, uh, the other only other thing I was going to say is, if this were to come to fruition, if this action built enough sort of grassroots uh, push and and, and 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 motivated people, and and the pressure was enough where he did resign, 
then that leftist pressure in this area is also indicative of a complete sea change in 2022, whoever gets picked. Because that shows what there's a, the power dynamic will, will have shifted severely. So I don't see how we can just basically say, oh, some, some uh, establishment you know, blockhead uh, is going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to install somebody nobody knows except eight people. And that person's going to run like an incumbent after we just, we just fomented enough pressure to get Gerald Brady to resign. I don't see it. You see what I mean? So that's what I'm talking about in 2022. Like, yay, June's talking about the next session. You're talking about the primary in 2022. I, I, I think, I think it's far, far bigger than that. Well, so I do want to throw it back to Erica after this point, just because I think we've gone a little while without. Yeah, fair, fair input enough. here, but um, I just my personal view, and I'm not a part of this organizing, so I'm not trying to impose this on anybody. But basically, that this is a longer process, and the issue is not that he should shouldn't resign, because I think he all but said in his statement that he can't govern anymore. Um, but that a resignation is a political process, and therefore, you know, the activism or our push for this should be seen through to making sure that the person who replaces him is an adequate person. And ideally it could be somebody who's affected by these, these issues or someone who is actually going to address these in an ideal way and not say a certain city councilman that campaigned with him in 2020. Yeah. I mean, there's one city council person that campaigned with him in 2020, but that's a good, that's a great example of someone who, you know, if if that person would get appointed, I mean, let's be honest. We could steamroll that guy. I mean, that guy's a nobody. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I guess maybe I'm looking at it like we're underestimating our... And again, I'm, I'm only saying this assuming that it goes that way. Assuming that the pressure and the power builds up so much that, they inst that he resigns and they install the person that we're talking about. I mean, that's, I mean, who's, who's the, who's the weakling and who's the power move in that, in that scenario. But uh, Erica, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, obviously you, you know, you follow, you know, politics in the state and, and the legislative push and, and issue campaigns, you know, not as much as, you know, immigrant and, 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 uh, outreach and, 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 and community organizing, but I mean, What's your what's your take on all of this on the sort of the pros and cons of, of, of pushing forward for this for this resignation? Well, I think um, not everybody likes what I said because what I said is not the standard. But I I believe that if we don't believe in a better society and, and a better political system, we're lost already. So um, to me, I think it is important to have accountability and that the old practices still present of um, dismissing this kind of um, conduct, thinking, actions that have crowded the government, our communities and everything we do, um, we are failing ourselves. So. I, I've been reflecting with uh, with this and spoken to Carl, spoken to you, spoken to other people too. You know, all the army of people, armies of people advocating and and doing grassroots work for, and I, I want all of our elected officials and candidates 
listen to this really clearly. All that people that stand for you, that knock doors for you, that makes phone calls for you, um, that does all this work selflessly. So you win, so you represent them. What do you think they feel when things like this happen? Where people get over their ego and they feel powerful and instead of considering themselves a servant of the community that supports them, they feel this mighty powerful machines that can decide and make business and, and be corrupt and also be horrible about what they think about other people. It's, it's, it's something that we need to change. What do you think they feel? People start failing, believing in democracy, believing on any kind of power uh, from the, the community itself. So um, even though I consider the repercussions of, of this, I think that we have to be accountable, all of us, about what we do. Because if we are contributing and enable uh, a system that is corrupt on itself because of other consequences, we are not changing anything. We are keeping the same standards. Uh, business people and politicians that know they can get away with things will keep doing that. We will we, keep finding the way. And we are no better <laughs> than before. So um, to me, this is a matter of, of ethics, of heart, of principle. What do we want? Uh, because this is beyond, it's beyond one situation to me. Um, the work I do. So that's why sometimes I disengage because I feel that uh, honestly, my heart tells me this is not authentic anymore. This has other agendas, it has other things. And you know, why will I put my work by heart and my commitment to things that I feel are not gonna really impact communities, are not really gonna do anything but give name and, and leverage to somebody that we don't know what's gonna happen with. So um, I am very, very, um, touched by this because I am a mother, I'm a community member, I've been through a lot in my life. So what I do and the reason I do advocacy is because I believe that we can do make a difference. And I believe that we can reshape who govern us and how do we govern each other. I believe in the power of community governance. We don't, I mean, school teaches politicians how to become but if they don't have the heart of public service, if they don't understand their communities, if they don't understand and love the people that they serve, you know, what's the point? It's only business. And, and to me, that's what we need to think about seriously. Because yes, there are consequences. I, I, I believe that the RD, in case of resignation, she'll have um, the Asian community on the, on the table and other communities helping decide on the best candidate. I don't think they should be just like saying, hey, this is the pick that we have. Voices of the represent uh, of their uh, constituents must be there from the community to ensure that the pick is a worthy one. Uh, for example, those are some of the things that we can think of to help um, ensure that there is a potential good candidate. But we have to work with the consequences of all this action. We have to teach each other that a better um, system is possible, but we have to build it and it's gonna cost. And, and our representatives have to really start thinking about who they are and what they do. And if they wanna be representatives, they have to be representatives because we're gonna keep preparing community members that um, by heart and by ethics know what it means for their communities to have um, representatives that advocate for them and that take action 
that um, that benefit the a change in economics and education in healthcare in everywhere and not just make business out of their power. So um, that is what I will say that yeah. we need to we need to take a stand whatever it is we need to figure out what is it that we really want. Yeah, I mean I I agree with that because I agree with you that it's bigger than you know what happens in the next cycle. I do agree with Carl. You know, we th there needs to be there needs to be not only an understanding of the consequences and and what you know what could happen and and the the you know the multiple you know routes that this could go, but also ensure that we're heard about those things. Ensure that the the committee that's going to you know again, if this pressure built up enough where it came to that, make sure that the committee hears the community. Make sure that the 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 people in the party and our representatives that we're that we're lobbying and we're talking to know, um, you know, the way that we would like it to go. Know that we have folks who are who, who might want to get involved uh, and, and 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 step in here. Um, so yeah, I mean, I look at it like the real. I mean, this is not going to change without a mass movement. Yes, I would like some reforms to the Cops' Bill of Rights. But the stuff that we sit here and talk about, I think, is a little bit more important than the machinations of how this RD committee is going to pick and then what we're going to do in this, you know. What we really need to do is inspire people to join the fight. Because that's what really is going to change this stuff. Um, and I don't, I think that that comes with allowing people to have a voice allowing them to try to organize and advocate and pressure people. Now, again, if it was completely off the wall and, and unstrategic, you know, I would, you know, I would criticize that. I just don't see that here. I, I see this as, um, you know, the community standing up um, and saying that, you know, well, this is just, com just completely unacceptable. There's no way we can, I don't see how I could go, I, I mean, I don't knock doors, <laughs> but I don't see how, how somebody could go canvas um, as a as a leftist or a DSA person or a working families person, and be like, yeah, we like this. Like, actually, yeah, we don't care about Brady. We're just trying to get this thing passed. We're gonna accept that, um, and then just move on. Like, I don't see how you, we build mass movement politics like that. I think we have to all come together and 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 show that we're at least open to, you know, trying to use this pressure on everybody. Like, we're not gonna we're not gonna build a. I mean, there are there's no leftist movement. There are leftists. But there's no there's no movement. And the only way that movement comes is by fighting fights and and, 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 and creating pressure and, you know, not making like technocratic legislation. You know, like I think what I said to somebody was like, I'm not going to explain like I don't think our legislative agenda needs to really come into this, actually. Like we got to fight when it gets there. Well, when it gets there, it gets there. But go ahead. Yejun. I think. Um, I think it's wrong to assume that any of these the people who are, uh, you know, f fighting for his resignation are leftist. I think that's um, I'm, that's a I fair point. That's, be very, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. And like, so that's another part of my concern is like the main concern reservation is who will replace him and like will the people who fight for his resignation also fight for uh, the 
uh, election or, you know, even re-election, um, if they do get uh, the seat, um, will they fight for that? And I can tell you, as an organizer, it is very hard to get people to do something like that. Um, we do need a mass movement. Uh, and how to engage people like that? Like, may maybe you're right. Maybe this is the way to do it, like to get this energy going. Yeah, I, don't, um, I mean, you make a good point. Like, I mean, there's certainly, this assumes... You know, when I say it's a power move and we've applied pressure and it kind of changes the dynamic going into the next year, next session and then the primary. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like you can't just assume that. No, I, I completely agree with you. I, I just, I mean, when you have acted, you're, you're better off having people that are activated who are now being com coming into your, into your orbit to be able to then sort of talk to them, what are their concerns, push them towards a candidate that they might like to go out and, and work for that candidate or work for an issue or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I just look at it as a bigger, as a bigger thing, but you're absolutely right. It's not like you just assume uh, like it's a, it's a one, like it's a, it's a, it's a one fight and it's over. No, I don't. Yeah, you're right about that. And the, the other thing that I thought to bring up is that uh, racism is a systemic issue, uh, as we all are all aware. Um, and our culture, like the way we think about things, does tend to be hyper-individualistic. So I think there would be um, an inclination for people to focus on what Brady did specifically and then what he did bad, what he did wrong, uh, as opposed to what is on the table in terms of systemic change. Um, so it, through one lens, wouldn't it be more appropriate for him on his way out to work towards, you know, it, it's limited. We want a full repeal of Leo Bohr, but like, wouldn't it be more appropriate on his way out the door to work to change the system to fight systemic racism rather than leave that on the table. Yeah, and I guess my point is that I think of all the of if I could if I was if I was a gambler well, I used to be, not anymore, but if 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 I was a gambler and I wanted to sit down with a bunch of people and kind of figure out odds about how this would all shake out. I mean, the chalk, the absolute favorite is that Brady doesn't resign. He's there through the through the special session to redistrict and the next session, and and, and SB one four nine doesn't get passed. I mean that's the most likely thing. Because this idea that he's going to have like because he did this now he's going to feel like okay he's a lame duck and going out the door he's going to do something like dramatic to seal his like to seal his place in history. I think I mean. I don't know about Carl. He follows this stuff pretty close. That seems incredibly far-fetched to me. Like, he, uh, the, the thing I think is most likely to happen is he rides this out. Um, but, but that doesn't... I, I see no reason to be optimistic that he's going he's gonna to have... He's, he's going to be able to, like, shepherd this piece of legislation that goes against everything the establishment's about. Uh, on the way out the door to like have some kind of like that's like a like some sort of like novel like the 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 arc and the and the, the thing at the end is he's like the, Mr. Smith goes to Washington or something. 
that Gerald Bray doesn't have that in him. Guy's fucking weak. So like I, I, I guess I just based on my understanding of, of how things go through the General Assembly and my understanding of this neighborhood and Gerald Brady to begin with, just taking all of this out, the idea that he's some sort of uh, that he, again, as I said before, that he's the thing that he's an important building block to this this change we're going to get in the, his last session. I, I can't I'm not convinced. I wouldn't call him a key figure, but I would say that he is a cog <laughs> or like he is a piece of it. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts to it. Um, one being like the black caucus and like uh, putting pressure on certain legislators over others. Um, I used to be very skeptical of like the power of people to put pressure on legislators and get them to change their minds. Um, and then somehow many <laughs> or very, you know, or all of the key people for the minimum wage bill who had come out saying that it was, you know, not something that they would support. They all ended up voting in favor of it, which kind of blew my mind because if you do that that with like someone like Chris Coons, he's just going to ignore you. Yeah, well, there, that, that, that's a good question. That, that raises a good question. So let's talk about something specifically because I think, wasn't Andrea Bennett one of those people? So, and I know that there was a couple, was Lumpy Carson or somebody else? Another one? Was that the two? Okay, he's shaking his head. So I know that, I know a lot of pressure was put in those districts specifically and a lot of, a lot of turf was cut to, to explain to people like, hey, you have a Democratic uh, representative in the legislature and I know you support a uh, living wage, but they don't. And the reason, I think, is pretty straightforward that they changed their vote this time and we got the thing passed is because they want to be reelected again. If you don't, if, if not only do you not want to be reelected, if you've already said you're not going to run at all, then what, what le leverage is there? His good his goodwill, like wanting to leave a mark on history. The only reason they, the, the people we just mentioned voted for it when they didn't before was because Carl had people go out in their neighborhood and expose them and they want to be reelected. We already know Brady doesn't want to be reelected because he's not going to run again. So I don't understand where the pressure comes in then. Well, well, he's already a sponsor. So yeah, but is he going to do the things he needs to do? You you trust that guy? I mean, look, this is Delaware. We know that this is not. That doesn't mean. I don't really think that means anything. That doesn't mean he's going to not allow tons of uh, of amendments or or in the in the in the spirit of like getting something passed. You know, uh, doing deals like wheeling and dealing, like. I don't know. I don't trust the guy. I mean, the guy's obviously an old school misogynist and racist. The fi the fact that I'm going to trust him to shepherd through this against against the against the cabal of cops in the house. I don't know. I think you're good. I mean, yeah, okay, great. He put his name on it as a sponsor. Whoopee. Like I don't know. I I, I'm, I can't. I'm not convinced that he's this that he's this guy, and I'm especially not convinced now that he doesn't have to worry about being reelected like Lumpy Carson or Andrea Bennett. I think he does have to worry about his reputation in terms of being a reformed, not racist. <laughs> I think he uh, does want to continue. At, like, so he's been outed now, and he's going to take these racial sensitivity courses. He, I think he does plan on having some sort of career moving forward. I don't know where that would be, 
but if he votes or if he you know after this whole debacle if he votes against Leobor that's like added oh okay so you're against this too yeah i mean i think i said i think i said something like you know the only thing that would persuade me uh from just you know letting the letting the activists just go wild on this guy um is a written note that says i'm going you can count on me to do absolutely everything i can possibly do to get this all of this reform passed with that but he's not going to do that because he's going to go and wheel and deal with his buddies I mean the guy the guys like the uh, again I I don't I don't want to go too far into it because I I you know it's kind of you know it's hypothetical sort of conjecture um but yeah I mean I don't I don't know I mean we're 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 seeding ground to something that I don't think is like some sort of slam dunk like that we're that we're that the, I I think it's mostly upside but well, let, let me go. You, you can finish your thought, and then I want to bring up another topic because I, I would like uh, Erica's thoughts on that too. Because I, you know, I, I do include Darius in this for uh, reasons I'd like to explain a little more fully. But maybe I'll give you the last word on the on the. On well, the, uh, my last thing was actually a question for Erica. Um, I was just curious. I don't know if you're, you know, able to disclose, but like uh, with the Asian activists that you've talked to, I. I have to admit, like, I'm not plugged into the Asian community. I go to the Asian grocer, like, once every, <laughs> once in every while to get my uh, Korean food. And, like, that's kind of it. I'm not, I don't go to the Korean churches. Um, uh, I know very few Asian people, and they're all very Americanized. So uh, I was wondering, like, where these... Uh, the people you've talked to are located and like what kind of uh, where are they at politically because I'd really be interested uh, you know just <laughs> to to find that or yeah, and just a quick that. disclaimer um, I've met three of these activists already and, and I plan to talk to them in some fashion and sort of publicize their work but right now with everything that's going on I don't want to make it like about a person so I was kind of like waiting to see what direction this would go in because I, I know it gets like that. But, I mean, it's a fair question, too. I just wanted to kind of explain why I didn't just invite one of those people in right off the bat. Um, but anyway, um, Eric, I don't know if you want to if you want to speak to that at all. Of course, I am beyond happy of this question. And you know why? Because uh, I know that um, you show concern about how to activate people, how to get people involved. But let me tell you this, and it's going to fill your heart with joy. These people haven't been in politics before. It's people that are waking up and saying, I'm not comfortable anymore. Um, this touched my bottom and I want to do something about this issue because I am wounded, because it's not fair. And I want my community to be more involved. And because of that, I have to be more involved. So how do I do that? That's the principle. Um, they are from different grounds. Um, and I am happy to, to, to connect you uh, to Rob, but I think this is gonna grow. Um, you you, you um, were questioning like how to get people activated. And I, I am an, an organizer and I work with people in my everyday life. And I know that for people to get activated, they need to know that the reason that you are engaging them is pure. 
is authentic and that you are there with them for the right reasons and not for something else. And then they realize that they wanna be part of something bigger than themselves and bigger than anything for change for everybody. And that's what the communities need. That's why changes and politics are so important. The more authentic they are, the more connected they are, and the more real they are, people will jump in and say, I'm gonna give it a try because I see that this is changing. Nobody believes in, in not corrupt politics. So we have to change it with our actions. That's why the way that I function with people and, and coordinate is, is out of that, it's out of truth, out of um, honest engagement, uh, honest feedback. And then when they said, I don't know, I am scared, I don't know how to do this, like in this case, you know, simple answers to, okay, this is the next step. This is, this is uh, the background about how this works. And this is the power of your voice. Oh my gosh, I can do that. Yes, you can do that. And it is three more voices, four more voices, five more voices. And, and you are like really advocating for something that you understand. Even if you don't know how to do that, but you ask for help, that's how everybody gets activated. So happy to connect you with them both. And, and as Rob says, as people are, are comfortable to disclose themselves, um, then we, we um, proceed with that. Whereas now, like we protect them as, as we protect anybody that is starting to get um, into this dynamic of advocacy. Um, it's, to me, it's a beautiful manifestation of what communities can do when they realize that they are called to do something and they step on it, they, they, they make moves. Like myself, I got involved when Trump came into the president and I decided to be involved in some hope. And look at me, Drew Sarris was presenting in, in a meeting that I was invited to and he was presenting um, about the Safe Communities uh, Coalition, an issue campaign. They didn't have a coordinator. I didn't have like, I have experience with the community but not as organizer. I got a quick uh, training as organizer and empowered me Drew pushed me to do things, Drew pushed me to be a leader, and I was scared to that, I, I, I know. But um, I had the proper guidance, the proper support, I feel empowered, and then I realized that my voice was more than just a voice. You know, it was a voice that empowers others uh, from the right space. And then I added all my skills as a person and my love as a person as well to this. And that is what is trying to change others and engage them into taking action, and it's working. And that's why people from different communities reach out to me and I would love and respect and admiration for their bravery because it's an act of bravery to be engaged in advocacy. Um, give them the best that I can. So, and connect them now with the best people that we can. So they keep engaged, that they understand that movements are uh, truthful and they keep advocating for themselves and together along us. This is a bigger movement. That's why I'm exciting. I believe that we can create and build a different uh, political system that is uh, inclusive, that is just, and that is ethical. We definitely can do that, but we have to believe that. We cannot be afraid of the consequences of small changes. We have to look at the bigger picture and the kind of consciousness that we need and build that leadership that is uh, needed. And, and I think we can do it. So yes, happy to talk to you uh, after this and happy to connect you with everybody else. Erica, you're the best. And once again, this is, um, <clears throat> this is an, just yet another example of the, uh, we'll call it the Drew series effect. 
a lot of lot it comes up a lot in these conversations um sort of just putting people together and in in inspiring situations and i i think that's uh, extremely extremely dope um but yeah i mean i guess just to wrap up and and you know i talked to a few people and 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 some of them uh one person i can think of specifically i just i don't want to blow up his spot because he's in a he's in a precarious sort of situation uh as well um but yeah everybody kind of gave this impression and i maybe i'll ask Ajun and see what you think a bit um i I worked the last two or three years with almost like 80 percent uh, Chinese immigrants, a lot of Asian immigrants, some from India, Sri Lanka, but uh, uh, the, the lion's share were, were from China. And and again, they were professional people that were obviously keen to go to work, keep their head down and really not. You know, rock the boat, they would go to Chinese church or Chinese cultural stuff, um, but they, you know, they were just professional, didn't say much, whatever. And as you said, I think like like a lot of people do put up with, you know, just casual sort of soft racism and xenophobia. I know that the, you know, the the the, the covid pandemic didn't help. Uh, I know that the, you know, the, the, the shooting they had in, in Georgia certainly didn't help. Um, and so I just saw people who were just like, you know what, like, I don't I don't just want to do my job and keep my head down like like I was supposed to do because it just doesn't feel right to me. And that instinct seems to me something we should we should really like sort of like Erica was saying, really like draw into and be like, that's it. That's what we're looking for. And I'm not trying to say that political strategy is not important or, uh, you know, electoral politics can't bring, you know, incremental change to the legislature. I just don't think that, that that argument hasn't been made sufficiently enough where I, I'm, I, I can't I can't look away from this activation that's happened with people who never thought that they would ever be activated, didn't even really know what they were allowed to do or what they could do or that anybody was doing things similar to them. And so it's very tough to sort of like be like ask them to sort of stand down for. For because of because of uh, like a check mark on our legislative agenda, that's kind of I think I mean I, I that's that's kind of why I agree with 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 Erica on that one. Yeah, so uh, I think on paper I agree with you. I and I like I there there's like kind of you know two parts to it yeah he should resign along with anyone else who has just messed up in their you know in public office uh, yeah i mean the standard needs to be higher yeah just across the board like tom carper and everything that he said about the vietnam war uh i don't i don't know it verbatim but he he had mentioned you know, oh, we went over there and we killed a lot of them and they killed a lot of us, but we killed more of them than us. <laughs> and uh, they love us. They love they 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 love us now. <laughs> it was just completely ignorant and gross. Um, he should resign, too, especially uh, beyond just, you know, race, racist comments. It's like he's old and he. <laughs> doesn't know where he is. 
Um, yeah, I mean that that's the, one of the reasons I mentioned Darius in my statement is because I think he should also resign. Um, I my view of the situation is a little bit different because sort of like how I said that Brady using that using that language and using those ideas in a private did he, an email he thought was private um, is actually worse than like getting mad and like doing like like lashing out. Now, certainly violence is, public violence is not good. Um, but it's almost like I understand somebody with like anger issues that lashes out, I guess maybe because I, I used to be one. Um, and so, you know, I can, I can accept why somebody did that. Now, do I think he should resign? Yeah, of course. It's horrible. But, but, I, but, I, but I, can, I can look at that and say, okay, I, I sort of understand you know why that happened and I'll give you an example people who work professional jobs will understand this but I'll just use myself as an example when I worked in a, in a corporate environment and I had a uh, I had a I had a bad year one year we'll just say that I was using a lot of drugs um, I got arrested in a fight I got arrested uh, you know uh, trying to attack my ex-wife's boyfriend for some reason uh, well I mean there was a good reason he was in the house so you know so I got arrested doing that. Um, but, you know, I just went to court and, and took care of it. And my job, you know, never found out. And even if they did, when I went to get another job a couple years later, they were like, what happened here? And, and I gave them the legal paperwork and they just hired me right up because they were like, oh, you went through the legal process and this was what it was. And so, you know, I, it, I didn't ha ever have any professional, uh, you know, uh, consequences to it. Maybe I should have. I don't know. But that's generally how that stuff works. Now, if I would have used the language that that Representative Brady used in an email at work, I would have been immediately fired. I would have never I would have made it to the end of the day. And so this is the world that we're in. And so to the idea that, you know, one is this, I, I just I try not to make those lines anymore. I try to, as, as Erica said, I try to. Um, to to hold to hold the, the public officials as accountable as I can, while also accepting their apology you know not having really animosity towards them personally but you know they all got to go fuck them they all got to go um anyway i just wanted to mention that since i, I do know that you know the the what about i've I, i've more than more than two people have sent me messages that are that basically come down to what about darius brown and i i wanted to make that clear um from myself, I will also tell you that other elected officials I've talked to that I've lobbied about Gerald Brady resigning, and we've talked about this, this, this Darius Brown issue, who you know, nobody came out, nobody did this, and two different folks told me, yeah, you know, what's funny, nobody, nobody called and asked. There was no, there was no lobbying, there was no online stuff, nobody, nobody came to our Zoom meetings. No, no constituent said a fucking peep about it, and I found that very, I found that very, very interesting. It was a, it was instructive. It was actually extremely instructive. You know, so anybody asking, you know, why, and I, and I think I made my my position very clear on Darius Brown, but anybody asking why some of these politicians may have stepped out and 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 made statements on Gerald Brady when they didn't for Darius Brown. Ask them how many how many people called them. Ask them what the what the organizing advocacy was and and 
and people coming to their Zoom meetings and, and, and going online and all of that because nothing happened. And, and again, this is, just it's just, this is just indicative of why it's important to get people motivated, to come together and, and exert their, their power and, 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 and set a standard so that we can move on to mass politics and, and, and make a difference. Folks, thanks for joining. I, I hope you're starting to think about these things a little more broadly. You know, I know that uh, what Gerald Brady did and what Darius Brown did uh, are both really disgusting and heinous in their own way. Um, and we need to be fighting those. But we need to be fighting those with an idea of, of larger change. Erica said it the most beautiful way that you could say it. You know, if, if we want everybody at the table and we want a, uh, a government or, or a world that looks at everybody and the welfare of everybody and eliminates the suffering of everybody, we can do that. But we, 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 we have to come at things from a perspective that I, I don't think we're, we're necessarily used to. You know, it's not comfortable. It's like they always used to tell you, uh, I guess if you're riding a horse or you're playing golf, if, the, if riding or, or swinging feels comfortable, you're doing it wrong. It's like supposed to be a little uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, get your brain working and jump in. Jump on board for one of these big uh, issues, especially this Cops Bill of Rights, because we got to fucking do something about that for all the bullshit we talked about, Brady. We, we definitely need to push whoever it is, like, mad on that. So talk to uh, Carl and Yejun and uh, get yourself out there on that issue coming up. Uh, also, you know, hit us up on, uh, on Patreon. We could, use, we, could use the, uh, we could use the dough. You know, we're just we're scraping by here. We'd like to get new chairs. The chairs here squeak. Carl's not happy about fucking compressing and doing EQ and shit to fucking fucking get the squeaks down. And so, you know, we need new chairs, but it would be helpful if somebody fucking jump in, you know, jump in 10 bucks a month, jump on board for the big win. So anyway, uh, we'll be talking to you soon about lots of different stuff. Left is best. <laughs>